This is a 980 CKNW podcast. 6.46 on a Sunday morning. That means it's time to check in with Rick Forchuk. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. And I've been hearing a lot about the new Amy Schumer film. Uh, Some good, some bad. What are your thoughts? Well, it's interesting. Uh, That's a good assessment because it does sit right in the middle. The movie's called I Feel Pretty, and it could be a somewhat mean movie, and it might be somewhat cute and engaging, depending on just how you feel about body image. Uh, Amy Schumer stars as Renee. Renee is overweight, and to use a term that's used towards her in the movie, she's, well, she's dumpy. Nothing much good happens to her. She works in a backroom job. She hasn't anything of a love life at all, and she isn't all that thrilled about the way things are going for her, and she places most of the blame on her looks. As an aside, Schumer's decision to make this film revolves around a previous casting director having told her that she needed to lose weight for a role. That was her 2015 film Trainwreck with John Cena. She did as she was told, but on reflection afterwards, uh, she felt that, uh, well, she didn't look all that good because her body lost weight, but her head was the same size, she says. So as a thinner person, she felt uh, that uh, she looked funny with that disproportionately large head. She decided to make a movie about a woman her own natural size, hence this story of Renee, who falls in the gym, hits her head, and when she comes to, she thinks when looking in the mirror that she is gorgeous. Schumer's character has a lot of parallels to Miss Piggy of the Muppets. Piggy is audacious, self-confident, and a woman, I mean a pig, I guess, who gets what she wants through sheer force of personality. As for Renee, Schumer's character, now that she thinks she's beautiful, she enters a bikini contest, she gets a new job with her cosmetics company, now working the front reception desk instead of the web department in the basement, and she has a boyfriend. All of that because she really, really believes. Of course, there comes a time in the story when she has to face the facts, but it's handled with a deft hand and a wink out of an eye, making this a romantic comedy, a pretty reasonable story, and uh, not a bad date movie. It's a 14A rating, and that's I Feel Pretty. All right, there you have it. Uh, What about uh, a date movie, Super Troopers 2? Yeah, well... (laughs) If you want to take your dog to this one, that might work. Uh, 17 years ago, Joe, this stoner movie became a cult hit, focusing on a sad group of state troopers from Vermont. Now, they should have left that movie where it belonged, firmly planted in the year 2001. But no, somebody came up with the idea of crowdfunding this one to get a sequel made. The story is ridiculous, which is the point, I suppose. It turns out that a border town on the Quebec-Vermont border is about to be annexed by the United States, and the original troopers, all of whom have been doing demeaning low-end jobs since the end of their last movie, which saw them fired, get recruited to go up north and begin the work. This is an R-rated raunch fest, rife with flatulence gags, dope jokes, and much worse. And when the troopers become involved with the Mounties, well, just look out. Now, one of the Mounties is actually a real Canadian, Jill, that being Will Sasso, a schoolmate of yours from Ladner. And although I've always admired his talent, I felt sorry for him stuck in this mess, along with Rob Lowe, Brian Cox, and ex-Wonder Woman on TV, uh, Linda Carter. Now, as a Canadian, it would be easy to take offense at the portrayal of our Mounties and of everybody who seems to think poutine is the national food for all of Canada. But since nothing but a bunch of stoners are likely to see this film, it really won't have much impact. Uh, There'll certainly be those who think it's funny, and frankly, there is a laugh or two. But mostly, it's just a raunchy comedy that has been long passed by with everything that the likes of Seth Rogen now produce. It's fair to say that if the rest of the movie had been like the opening sequence with Sean William Scott in a bizarre series of events, 
This might have been a different review, but any promise of a good story disappears within minutes, Joe. Uh, the ratings 18A, that's Super Troopers 2. All right. Uh, definitely a target audience for that one. Yes, a target <laughs> audience. Uh, we'll move over to the streaming services, uh, The Nice Guys from 2016. Yeah, this is a pretty good movie. I really liked it. It's set in Los Angeles and reminiscent of TV series in the 70s, such as Starsky and Hutch, The Rockford Files, and Mannix. Uh, here we have Russell Crowe as a private detective, a very tough guy who acts first and asks questions later, and Ryan Gosling as a much gentler kind of private cop. They meet under difficult circumstances, which leaves Gosling with a broken nose, thanks to Crow's character, despite the fact they're actually both working on the same missing persons case. They're tips of the hat to the Waltons and to all things 70s here, as the two settle in on a rocky sort of partnership. It is good fun. It's an 18A rating for language. Uh, That's the nice guys, and it's a pretty good movie, Joe. It is. I remember watching it, and I was surprised at how much I liked it. And also a reminder of how funny Ryan Gosling can be. Yes, he is very funny in this movie. You're right. Very, very well done. He's excellent. (laughs) All right. That one is The Nice Guys. If you haven't checked it out, it's on Netflix. So what else is on Netflix? Well, I told you last week that Lost in Space was back. It came back last Friday, season one. And I'm just mentioning it again because uh, since that release, it has done extremely well for Netflix, this remake of the 1965 series. Uh, We do hear the term Danger Will Robinson from the robot. And uh, these are people who just want to get back home because they are lost in space. Uh, We have Parker Posey as um, Dr. Smith. Uh, He was a man in the original. 12-year-old Maxwell Jenkins, who had a recurring role in Chicago Fires, the new Will Robinson. And uh, if you you, uh, like the original series, this is really nothing like it. Uh, It is kind of a grown-up version. But uh, it's interesting, and it is getting a lot of noise on Netflix. And Netflix is doing very well with this kind of programming, Joe. Yeah, definitely. All right, that one is uh, Lost in Space. So what about Crave TV? Crave TV has Elvis Presley, The Searcher, and this is a new documentary on the king of rock and roll. It looks at the musicianship of Presley, a person who could not read music and whose instrumental skills were all self-taught. If you thought you knew all about Elvis, who died in August of 1977, you may want to think again when you see the depth and the breadth of what writer and filmmaker Alan Light has unearthed here. It's rated M for mature audiences, but it's very well done. Uh, Elvis Presley, The Searcher, and that's on Crave TV. Interesting when we have uh, things like that, documentaries about uh, people like Elvis Presley, uh, and exactly like you said, here's somebody that died in 1977. And for Elvis fans, uh, people who uh, have tried to seek out as much information as they can, probably thinking they already know everything. And the fact that we have new documentaries and new information this much longer uh, is, uh, is kind of fascinating. Well, yeah, because people keep digging stuff up. And, of course, uh, the Elvis Presley estate makes more money today from Elvis's work than Elvis did when he was alive and performing. Uh, so that in itself is an issue because uh, in order to keep that machine turning, it's important to keep his name resurfacing. And that's part, I think, of what this documentary is about, is just to uh, remind us all that there is stuff out there that's all Presley all the time. And he was the king of rock and roll. So let's get with it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, quick look at TV, uh, music. I, I can't believe it is. Uh, well, American Idol is still ongoing. Yeah, well, it's hard to believe, and it's hard to believe it's going to stay. We're into episode 13 of The Returned Idol tonight. It's now on ABC rather than its originating network on Fox. And the question at the network level must be, uh, Jill, how low must the ratings go before we cancel this show in midstream? Idol has never had ratings this low, as it's been experiencing this time around. Each week, they sink even lower. 
Now, part of the problem is the competition from The Voice on NBC, which runs opposite it on Monday nights. Um, Idol is on both Sunday and Monday. It's somewhat sad, too, because in all of the 15 seasons of the original show, other than perhaps the Carrie Underwood season, I don't recall seeing so much really good talent on American Idol. We're down to the top 14 tonight. It's still worth watching if you like reality of this sort. Ryan Seacrest hosts. That's on ABC and on CTV, too, Joe. All right. So maybe there just isn't, is it that there's not enough room for Idol and The Voice? I think that's exactly what it is. I think there's not enough room because these shows are each two hours long. So on a Monday night, for example, if you want to watch both of them, whether you PVR them or whether you watch them live, that's four hours. That's uh, all of your primetime viewing and then some. And if you save it, uh, The Voice goes another night and so does Idol. So now you get eight hours of uh, music reality. It's pretty tough to do both of those things for viewers. And I I think it's um, Idol that's suffering so badly for that. All right. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Rick, thank you so much. We will check in with you again next weekend. You bet. Thanks, Joe. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.